Boker Tov. Today's office is Samach 64. We are finishing the Drashot that are the two first Daphim of Meruba um, about how we know that you pay Kefel on all objects. There are two cases in the Torah. There's the case here where it basically starts by saying, you know, if So that's the Pasuk about Shoroseh. Right? This is the more straight Pasuk about the Chiv of Ganev. Kiyignov Ish <laughs> I need to be taller. O, or is it O? Mecharo, Chamisha Bakar, and Varbatzon. Okay? Varbatzon, so that's the four and five. And then it says, If you didn't sell it, Mishad Chamua Tsechayim, interesting that shows throws in Chamua, and they're alive, they have them in slaughter, Shnayim Yishalim. So that's the clear pasuk about four and five if it's slaughtered, if it's slaughtered and sold, or double if it's not. And you got this whole complicated thing in the context of a shomer. You gave something somebody to watch. It got stolen. If the ganav is found, he pays double, which is of course just referring back to the idea that a ganav pays double. If the ganav isn't found, and then there's some type of court case, the guy could wind up paying double. And we said that that's he claims it was a ganav and he stole it. Okay. So until now, we've been focusing on the second thing and looking at this case about him. About about him claiming that it was stolen to learn out that Ganev and Kefal applies by all these things. And now the Gemara said, let's go back actually to these Pesukim up here, which is a classic Pesukim by Gneva, where it says, you know, Mishor at it says this list of things, and that will tell us that Gneva, that Kefal applies to all things, with the exception, of course, of things like land and starot, etc. Okay, so that's where we left off yesterday. So let's take a look now. We pick up on Samachdal Ramadan. When was that person you know, you saw, you saw uh, I don't remember off the top someone in Okay, so uh, the word says like this. Um, okay. Uh, I'm a mar, you're sure. It's about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 lines down from the top of Samatar Ramadalas. Okay, let's see if we can get even a little more ahead. Tisha Bell's coming up. Maybe we won't have, we can sort of skip a day. Okay, Amimar. Yomar Shur Vigneva. Why didn't it just say, you know, Hagneva Mishur? Why did it have to say, you know, Chamor and Se and Chaim? And that allowed it to expand to include everything. So that's the phrase. Why didn't it just say Shur and Gneva? So the says, one minute, Mixiv Shur Gneva. Gneva Shur Dixiv, right? It says, Hagneva Mishur. Now, you could think the Mars being a little bit like, I don't know, Picayune, but the point is, are we conceiving of it as a Klal and Prat, or a Prat and a Klal? If you said that it said, Shur and Gneva, and you end with the broad term, you're allowing it to be an expansive category. But if you're saying, well, why didn't it just say Gneva and Shur, the answer is obvious. Then would have been a Klal and a Prat, and would have been limited to Shur. So the Gemara says, Maybe what the writer means is, had it said, not it did say, but why did, couldn't it have said? Had it said, in that order, and ended with the broader term, and been a clow, right, I would have then included, you know, a broad category of things, but not everything, maybe only things that are offered as sacrifices. So the Gemara says, one minute, but then if it had been written that way, sure, and then Geneva, how could you have said, you know, the, well, the prod is something that, uh, sure, is something that's a korban, I would have included all of a korban. That's a classic thing to say, similar to the prat, when you've got a klal, prat, and klal. But if you only have the word shore and geneva, 
you only have two options. Either a klalu prat, so you only have the shore, or a prat and klal, and you have everything. Right? And the bright is dealing with the assumption that had some of these words been written, you would have had a klal prat klal. You would have had like a, an, an expansion of the prat. So the says, how would that have worked out? Um, would have included everything. So what's the brightest assumption that with some of these words I would have expanded the concrete cases? Where is the prat cloud prat cloud to be working like that? Well, isn't it everything? In other words, if it's alive, Geneva, Chaim, I could have just said that. So you're saying Chaim is the cloud, but the brightest didn't say that. So let's see where the Gemara gets to. Okay. Ella, Kinech Steve, come. Fine. The brightest saying, had it been written in the order it says, Geneva and then sure. Geneva was sure. But you still got the problem. Why would that have led to an expansion of the category? How could you have said that, oh, that would have been very inclusive? You know, and, and, or we'll go by something similar to the Prat, we'll go by a Korban. If you have the Klal and Prat order, you're even worse. Then you're just limited to the Prat. You'd be limited to the Prat. Only a sure. So the Gemara is saying this whole Brita that sort of started with this list and expanded it to include everything similar to that list, right? That assumes a Klal, Prat, or Klal structure. But where's the Klal, Prat, or Klal? We only have the word Geneva. Okay, so my, my, Michael has said Chaim. Maybe that's serving as a Klal. What else could you have said? It's the Klal. Shnayim Yishalim, which is not exactly a Klal, but okay. Since it just says you pay double, we'll treat that to mean everything. So that's where the Gemara is going to go. Okay, so the Gemara says, I'm, I'm a Rava. Tana Achayim Kasamach. Ah, the Tana is just using the word Chayim to be the final Klal. Okay? The Klal, Prado Klal, Kamerle. It is a Klal, Prado Klal. Klal, Prado Klal. You know, it's Gneva is anything. Chayim is sort of anything. Anything that's alive. And these are the Pratim. And that's why I would have expanded it. So the says, one minute. The final Klal is not similar to the opening Klal. Because the opening Klal really is everything. Gneva. And the final Klal is a smaller group of things. Living things. So the Gemara says, No, Hatana de Rabbi Shmuel, who this is the Tana from the house of Rabbi Shmuel, the Chiyah Gavna Darshi Klali Prati, that that works for Klali Prat, even if the final Klal is a smaller group than the opening Klal. Here's how you read the Brighta. Why do you need which is like a broad statement? It's read as a type of a Klal. If anything is found. Yeah, or something. Yomar Shurugneva, the Chayim. Say, okay, so this is going to be the Klal Prado Klal. Okay, I need another color. This is the, this is the Klal. This is the Klal. Okay, and these are the Pratim. So Himatse, Timatse is seen as being very broad. So it says, why do you need Himatse, Timatse? If you have a Klal and a, a two Klalim and one of these Pratim, let that expand and include everything. And then we're going to say, no, these Pratim by themselves would not have given you everything. And that's why you needed Timatse, Timatse to be more inclusive. So why do you need the Pratim? Why can you just say Timatse, Well, because we have to exclude things like Karka and Shtaros and so on. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, Say sure, which is the prat, which are the klolim, and include everything. No, now we're just going to reread the brayta with this understanding that the 
Im is the other klal, and Himatzei Himatzei is something that comes in at the end to make it even more broad. Okay? If it had just said sure, I would have limited it to things that have, could be brought as sacrifices. What would it be included beyond sure that could be brought as a sacrifice? A sheep. But then it says sheep. So clearly, that's meant to expand it even further. So Hareza said more. So we have a sheep said. So what's the point now of the Klaal Pradu Klaal if you have both sure and says said? The rabbis called over. Must be to come to glue everything. Okay, but one minute. So if that's true, Yomer Gneva, why did you need the other stuff in the Pasuk? Yomer Gneva of a Shor Just say, Gneva is the Klaal, Shor and says the Pradin, Chayim is the Klaal, Vakobichlaal, and I would include everything. So why did I need the other things of the Pasuk? No. Even Cain, I wouldn't have included anything. Had it just said that, I eat Yomer, that way I would have limited a Shor and a Seh, an ox and a sheep, to things that are sanctified with the firstborn. So that's, that's what's meant to expand to, to include also donkeys. So that's why, so if that's true, so Mimi, I would have included everything in the universe. I would have said, sure, and said, Cloud Cloud only gave me donkeys as well. So my Yeshul so what would that then have included? Chamor, a donkey. Kishuomer Chamor, but then it says donkey. Hare Chamor Hamor. Hamani Mikhaim Gineva. So now I've got a cloud. You know, Gneva. Shor San Chamor is the Prat. And then another Klaal Chayim. So, what is being included by the, you know, by the Klaal Pradu Klaal? It's not just sacrifices. It's not just things Kaddish Bivachor. That's explicit in the Pasuk. So, what's being included by the Klaal Pradu Klaal? It must be the Rabbos Koldavar. Now that they've got both all the Shor, the San, the Chamor, and the Klaal Pradu Klaal, must be including everything. Okay, so now was my question. Why did I need the other stuff of the Pasuk? Yomar, just say, Gneva, the Shor, the Seva, Chamor, Vechayim, Vechayim, That would have included everything. Why did I also need it to say, Himatzei, Himatzei? That's the implicit question. No, Ilu Kain, had I just stopped there with that Klaal, Pradu, Klaal, Hayit Yomer, I would have said, Ma, Pradu, Mefarash, Pali, Chayim. No, that wouldn't have included everything. Shor, Chamor, and Se, you abstract it. You don't get all things. You just get animals. I'm limited to animals. And therefore, what, what do I still need to include? Other animals. Ah, but why do I need the cloud to cloud to include other animals? This last cloud does double duty. This last cloud tells you because it's a cloud, we're going to be expand it. But a little bit ironically, it's going to have the effect of expanding it beyond just animals. Because what it explicitly says is animals. So functioning at the explicit level, it's including all animals. Functioning at the claw level, it's going beyond that. Because it can't just be coming to include animals, so then it's not a claw, then just say chayim. Okay? So somehow, because, if you just want to say animals, just say chayim. But because you have a claw and a prat and a claw, and this is telling you both, A, we're already talking about animals, and B, we're now going to expand it, it's going to tell you to go beyond the animals. It's not at all. So it's telling you the dean has to be alive. I understand. That's just the way the Gemara is interpreted. I cannot defend this on a plot level. Hamani Mikhaim Gneva. The rabble's called over. So now you got the cloud part of cloud. So the prat seems sort of tell you animals, because Chaim is also telling you animals. So the other effect of the claw, actually the Gemara says it better than I just did, because maybe the claw of Chaim doesn't go beyond animals, but the claw of Gineva now is going to go beyond animals. It's going to go beyond these concrete cases. So that's the Rabbos called Dover. So now we've got it. 
because of the Klaal Pratukal we have through this list, I mean, you could ask why you need Shorcham or Insef, you could have just said Chayim, but because of this list, we've got animals, and this is a claw part and claw, and this claw part should go beyond the animals, include everything. So now that we've included everything, who needs himatse timatse? Okay? Himatse timatse lamali. And that's what the Brita is saying. So now the Gemara is going to say, okay, that's a good question. What's the answer? He says to the Gemara, shop your kashale. It's got a, good, got a good question. If you've got everything included by the claw part of claw, who needs himatse timatse? Now, here's the answer. Here's what you need it for. Because that's got a challenge. In order to exclude, include things beyond animals, you're using the second claw. Right before the Gemara said you were using the first claw, Geneva. But in here it's saying, no, 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 it's the second claw that does the broadening. Because the claw in a prat, the prat is specific. The second claw does the broadening. Okay? So, 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 claw, proto, claw, my kamahani lay. So, Gemara is now pointing out the obvious problem. How can you say that this claw, which is explicitly tells you animals, is coming to expand beyond animals? The, the, the claw itself says animals. Okay? So, ila suye kol davar hachayim ksiv. Balichayim imidiachrini lo. No, the Gemara says, you could not, with this claw, proto, claw, have gotten beyond animals. Because, remember, the claw and prot, you're limited to the prot. The last claw is the one that expands. But if the last claw says animals, how can you expand beyond animals? So with this structure, you would have been limited to animals. And that's why you needed himatse, himatse to go beyond animals. Okay, so now the Gemara says, one minute. Amri, the harsh and close to Samchi Adadi Ninhu. So, himatse, himatse is like a double claw. Somehow these are seen as two claw words. If anything is found, each one of these is like a claw word. So the Gemara says, if there's two functioning as like these two claw words by itself, how does that like operate in conjunction with like everything else here? That shouldn't do a normal type of claw product claw function. It's just two clawing standing there. So the Gemara is going to say, and anyway, the question isn't so obvious. The answer makes it clear where the, what the Gemara is getting at. Amaravina to the Amri b'Marav, like they say in Eretz Yisrael. If you ever see two klolos right next to each other, again, that's how we're interpreting So, you know, use them to make a klol, prat, klol. Here you've got two good klol words, here you've got a lot of prat words. Excellent. Let's put these protein between the klolim and we'll use a klol, prat, klol. We've got all the ingredients, you know, just got to organize them in a different manner. Okay? So, so normally the, the order is what all matters, you know, by these claw prat claws, but what are you going to do? So we got, so here, this claw of prat would have left you with animals. Here you have two clawlim, and we're going to use these protein like feed them in between the clawlim in order to get where we need to get. Let's just finish this thought. Okay? Okay. Shadi shur ben himatse Put shur between them. And now we're going to go through what we know is this level of abstraction that we get from each of these things. Lasuye mai. What would that include? Ilasuye bale chayim. It can't, it can't be so broad to include animals. Mechaim nafka. We know that from the word animals. We already got that. El lasuye davar she'ein bale chayim. It must be including something that's not animals. So because... No, no. Yeah, I know. So what can I tell you? So anyway, because we already have a list that we know includes animals, right? Before we normally started in this direction. Oh, sure would have said, Karim Lagabim Yisbeach. This would have said, you know, I don't know, Bechorah, etc., etc. But here, 
Ha'ar, somehow we're looking at the whole list already ahead of time. We see Chaim is here to include animals. So now we're going to know that when we feed things in here, we've got to go beyond what we already have as one of the Pratim. It's got to give us something beyond just animals. I understand the irony that sure is going to be representative of something that's not animals. Okay. Okay. Um, it must be the choice coming to include even not animals. The Darshachi. Ma'aprat Mufurash. What is the story about the shore? It's chattel and it has intrinsic value. Okay, so that's what you get. That's, that would ex- exclude land, slaves that are connected to land, and starot. Okay, now we really got a question. What do you need all the other pratim for? Okay, the two, shari chamor Now let's put chamor between those two. What is that going to include, right? And now the funny thing is like, what more do you need to include? You've just included everything. Chattel that has intrinsic value. You've excluded the things that are normally excluded. What work is left to do? So what's the chamor going to do when you feed it between those two words? To include things that are not animals, we sure enough, but we already did that work from sure. To include this davar misuyam, you might remember the davar misuyam discussion we had yesterday that nobody really knows what it's talking about. Is it something that was, you know, that has a siman? Is it something that's a whole thing as opposed to a half thing? Anyway, somehow it's coming to include that. Although the funny thing is, like, why wouldn't I have assumed that was included? You know, maybe I would have needed to exclude a davar she'enu misuyam. Anyway, nobody really knows what the davar misuyam thing is. Ihachi says Marcelamali, fine, fine. You did this davar misuyam thing. Now, still, what do you need Seth for? Ella, so now we've got a problem. If you start with this whole list and you know you're going to start with animals, what more do you need to expand it? So maybe we could explain one or two things you need to expand. But after a certain point, it's like there's no work left to be done and you haven't explained what you do with this whole list. So Ella says, Gemara, fine, let's try another approach. Reba umiyat v'ribahu, to the Tana Debei Rebbe Shmael. Okay, remember Tana Debei Rebbe Shmael has this approach as opposed to Klal Pradu Klal, Reba Mira Reba, which basically starts one step ahead of Klal Pradu Klal. It says if you have just a, a, a general and a specific, you've already had that level of abstraction, anything similar to the specific. The, if it then does another general, which he's calling a Reba, inclusive as opposed to Klal, then what that means is we're going to include the entire universe, except for something that is the most dissimilar to the specific thing. Okay? So let's see how that plays out. Tatana the Bay Rabbi Shmel. Bamayim Bamayim based Tamim. It says by the fish. It says, you know, that the kosher fish. It says, um what So it says, eat anything in water. So now we're not talking about sort of the scope of the fish. We're talking about the bodies of water that the fish are in that have these halachas of requiring the kosher simanim. Okay? So, um, prat. My Rabbi, Rabbi Komili. What's it going to include? You start by assuming everything is included. So let's not worry about the fish and the water. What do you need these Pratim? So now what we're saying is, is Reboy. You include the whole universe. Okay? And now what we're going to do is we're going to look at this list 
not to include more things, so you start by having everything included, we're going to look at this list to exclude certain things. Things that are not like this list are going to be excluded from KFL. Yes. So why are we doing this first, this whole top half if we really did it all from the bottom half? Well, the, I got asked the opposite question. Why do we start with the bottom half? Is this is the part that you're explicitly right, talking about a gun. Yeah. I don't know. There were two uh, traditions of dress showed of Kefal on b- both sets of Sukim. And we're presenting both of them. So it's not like there's one authority that says, like, the Kibar keep on saying, this is Tana Debei Rebbe Shmel, this is this Tana, this is this Tana. You know, it's Midrashay Halacha. Some Midrashay Halacha learns the scope of Kefal from here and some learns it from here. I really cannot explain why anybody would go here rather than look at the psukim that directly talk about Kefal. I don't know the answer to that. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Rima Komili. Yachi Kohani Pratilam. Lichad Limute Karka. One excludes lands. Chad Limute Avadim. This is just like we said, you know, yesterday. One excludes slaves. The Chad Limute Shkaros. One excludes documents. The Gneva Vichayim. Now what we're left with though is this is no longer a claw part of claw. This is a reboy. These are meats. So you have everything except land, slaves, and documents. So you got, you're left with these two words, which before were functioning as qualim. Clo- as what are you going to do now with these two words? Gnev and Chaim. So that's actually going to be a transition, believe it or not, to the first so- real halachic study so of this discussion. Okay, Iachi, where's Gemara? Gnev and Chaim. So Gnev and Chaim. What do the words Gnev and Chaim do? Like Rav. Damarav, Achye Lekaren Kein bring life to the principle like the time it was burgled, it was stolen, it was burgled. Meaning, we're going to see a case coming up in the next stop that somebody burgled something and then it became, uh, the value went down or the animal got thinner and it's his responsibility to restore it according to the state it was in, the better state it was in when it was stolen. So that's the Chaim and Geneva is, if you took a Geneva, bring it back to life. Meaning, restore it as the way it was when it was stolen. Right. Correct. Um, so, um, whatever, within certain ranges, we'll talk about that. Okay. Ulaman um, Now, thank God. Okay, so, <laughs> we did this cloud prat down here, and maybe then we said a similar thing. Each one of these pratim were excluding, you know, Karka, Avadim, and Shkaros. Here, we got really, really lost in the woods, but at the end of the day, we said, this was a cloud, these were, ex- these was a reboy, these were excluding Karka, Shkaros, etc., and we're left with those two words to do other work. Wait, so now, two? Can you do this from one of them? No, it's, a- it's Achie Lekeren Kein Shaganav. You have to restore it like the time of the Geneva. So both words are being word. Restore it to what state? To the state it was when it was stolen. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Now we're going to discuss again, back to here, whether these two halves are both towing Tanaf Ganav, or one is a Ganav and one is towing Tanaf Ganav. According to the one that says that one of the, the first half down here is about Ganav himself pays double, and that's about claiming it was a Ganav. Ganav atzmo nafkalei mi'in hi I'm sorry, that's good. Yeah, Right, remember it says, Imi Matsei HaGanav Yishalim Shnayim. Here's how you know that a Ganav pays double. Hi, Imi Matsei Matsei Medarse. Right, if this is Ganav, why do you need all of this thing? Already here you learn that a Ganav pays K fell on the scope of it. So what's the function of this thing up here? So me by the way look at a rava bar ahilai like rava bar ilai damar rava bar ilai my time at the rav what's the reason of rav damar motive knas the afagach bo eating patur everybody knows right that if you admit to a knas 
you cannot have you don't have to pay a fine based on your own admission a fine is a court imposed punishment and the same way you cannot get lashes or death penalty based on your own admission you can't get a fine based on your own admission okay that's motive knas pater but the debate is if you admitted to a knas and then witnesses came and said that you were liable are you still off the hook now obviously that wouldn't work by other things if you said you did a sin of lashes or a sin of the death penalty and witnesses came obviously you would get the punishment but <coughs> monetary knas is seen according to some as different possibly one of the reasons is that because it's a lighter punishment maybe the whole purpose of the monetary fine was to um, incentivize you to come forth and admit so if you did admit you don't have to pay the fine okay so that's what Rav says Bodebi knas if you admitted to the knas even after witnesses came you remain exempt where does he learn that from? yeah I'm sorry I thought it was before you admitted to it and then after you admitted witnesses came right okay that's what I said okay anyway I think that's what I said anyway how do you know that even after the witnesses came you still remain exempt if it's found in your hand right meaning you didn't come and admit it Right? Somebody had to find it in your hand. It was discovered through Adim. In that case, the Dayanim will rule that you're Chayv Kefel. But if it was discovered because of your own admission, then even if afterwards the Adim came, it wasn't discovered because of the Adim, it was discovered because of you. So if other people were needed to discover it, that's when you pay Kefel. If you admitted it, you don't pay Kefel. That's the problem why you need Imatay Right. Yeah. Exactly. That includes the case of a person that that, you know, makes himself wicked, that declares, you know, that, 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 that confesses his own sin. Okay, so that's what we do. So now, of course, the question is, why did you still need Shur, Hamor, Sechayim, etc.? So because, you know, once it's saying it, it throws in the details. But basically, this is Ganev, and this Pesach is coming to teach you the idea only if you did not admit it, if it was, only if it was discovered. So the Mer says, Uleman Amr Travai Betoyntanis Ganev, and according to the one that says both of these are, t- are about a Ganav, somebody who claims it was stolen, and this is about a real Ganav, okay? Um, and the we learn to teach us the scope of a Ganav himself, what are the things he pays careful for. Where would he know this halacha of Rav, assuming he would paskin like Rav? Where would he know this halacha that if you, if you admitted it, you would never have to pay Kefel? Because it says that who the judges right down here it says uh, I didn't have I didn't write it in but Asher Yashiun Yashiun Elohim Yishalim Shnaim L'Reihu the one who the judges find guilty will pay double so only if the judge made you a Russia if you had already made yourself a Russia by your own admission you wouldn't pay Kefel okay the low Hamashiach Atzmo not the one who made himself into Russia fine so if you say this is Ganav and this is Tony Tanis Ganav and Himatse tells you you only pay Kefel if you were fat, if, if you were discovered not if you admitted it 
Hi, Asher Yashin, my darshle. What does he do with Asher Yashin Elohim down here? So, Amalucha, um, he'll tell you, I'll by away the motive is the potter. Okay, no. He says, look, you can't jump to say that you're exempt after, even after witnesses come before you tell me the first principle that you cannot be found guilty based on your own admission. Right? First you have to tell me that if you admit we're not going to make you pay based on your own admission. And then you have to tell me and you even are exempt even after witnesses come. It's a two-state, right? You can't jump to the biggest chiddush. So he says, Asher Yashir Elohim says that your own admission does not make you pay kefel. And he must say, Kimatsei means not only does it not make you pay kefel, you'll be exempt even after the witnesses come. Alright? So that's what we get out of this. Everybody following all of this somewhat? Okay, Uman Damatravayu Betoyintanis Ganov and the one that says both of these are about Betoyintanis Ganov and Imatse Kimatse is about the scope that a Ganov pays Kefel. So, Kasavar Motivadaz Vakach Boedim Chayev Fine, maybe you'll hold that only the first stage of that that your own admission your putter but if the witnesses come afterwards maybe you would be Chayev. Fine. Alright. And you say that this is Ganav, and this is Torrentinus Ganav. Um, and then we said, what do you need this whole parsh up here about Ganav if you already have Ganav here? So he said, well, he is coming to tell you that even after you admitted, you remain exempt. Only if you were never admitted are you Chayev Kefel. So then what do you need the rest of the Pasuk for? What do you need Shor, Hamor, and Sen, Chayim? Okay? So, Why do you need all those details? Because you basically have Ghana from here. So the Gemara says, no. Kitatana the Bay Rebbe Shmuel, like what the Bay Rebbe Shmuel teaches. Kitatana the Bay Rebbe Shmuel, Kobarja Shanemra Venishnis, Lonishin Seladavashin Ishadishba. Any Parsha that was said once and repeated, it was basically repeated for like one Chiddish, and you don't have to say every single word in the second Parsha is meaningful. So Himatse Timatse was the Chiddish here, that only if you never admitted. The rest of these details, you don't have to worry about what they're teaching. They were just, you know, once we're saying it over, we're going to say over it with the details. Okay. Now, last question with this. The Ema, why don't I say, Ganavatmo Beshvua? Maybe a Ganav who pays Kefel, maybe he only pays it with a Shvua, the same way a person who claims that there was a Ganav only pays Kefel with a Shvua. Los Takadaitis, that doesn't make sense. Titana de Rabbi Yaakov Omer, Rabbi Yaakov says, Shnaim Yishalim, you pay double. Right? Chaim Shnaim Yishalim. Shalobi um, Shvua. It means you pay it straight away. Even all you did was you did a geneva, and it says you pay double, even without a shvua. You say without a shvua. Maybe it's with a shvua. Amarta lokachaya. That doesn't make sense. My lokachaya. What do you mean that can't be? If all, if you need a shvua, then you wouldn't need the Torah to ever tell you that a god of pays kefel. Since a guy who claims that it was a Geneva and takes a Shvua makes Kefel you could certainly figure out that a Ganav who took a Shvua would pay Kefel what's about the guy who just claims that it was a Geneva the object was given to his hands legitimately he started as a Shomer that person pays double a real Ganav that he took it initially by violating from the very outset of course he would 
would do it. So if you if, if you think that a ganav needs to make a shavua, the Torah doesn't have to tell me that a ganav pays kefel, right? If a guy that didn't really steal it started as a shomer with a shavua pays kefel, of course a ganav with a shavua pays kefel. So why does it have to tell me a ganav pays kefel? I'm like, oh, just using logic, I could have figured out a ganav with a shavua pays kefel. So why would it have to tell me a ganav pays kefel? To tell me a ganav pays kefel even without a shavua. Okay. By the way, I would say you could make an opposite argument. You could say that if I give you it and then you lie and you take a shavua, there's a violation of trust that exists beyond the violation that's done by a ganav himself. A ganav himself who steals and then lies and whatever, I never trusted him. He never betrayed me. Okay. So in theory, you could make a, an argument that a, show, a shomer who makes a shavua falsely maybe is to, is worse. But anyway, that's certainly not what the Gemara says. Okay. The high ini one minute. Is this what Himatse is doing? We need it what we teach in a Braita, that Himatse is not coming for a klal pradu klal and not coming for a mode of iknas. It's coming for another halacha. Yado. yado. It says Himatse, Himatse, biyado hakneva. So biyado in his hands means you're not considered a ganav until you take possession of it. Okay? So if I see your object, and I don't know, like, you know, I hold on to it, like, but I haven't actually, you know, dragged it or done anything. I grabbed it with the desire, but I haven't yet done an act of taking possession. I'm not yet a Ghanav. And normally what we assume is that a Ghanav has to do a Masa Kenyan. The same act of taking possession that would be true if I was, if I was willingly selling you the object, Mashiach, Hagba, etc. Until you do that act, you are not yet a Ghanav. Tafsina is actually taking it for yourself. Now it starts from the word Yado, it's in your hand. How do I know you're a Ghanav even if it just walked into your yard or maybe you brought it into your yard and then with the intention of stealing it? If it is found in any ways in your hands, meaning it is any ways under your possession, not only literally in your hands. Okay? So anyway, if you need it for that, how do you come to use it for this klauprat, or how do you come to use it for this, I mean, this riboy, or this uh, idea of No. If that was true, if all you wanted to teach me was the halacha that it didn't have to literally be in your hands, use the same words which it's calling is the pasuk change things of course that is the exact classic way of articulating using a double verb but anyway you learn both halachas that it, even if it's not literally in your hand and even the halacha that the scope of things you're chayven for geneva or another way of saying it is the halacha of so that was two dapim that was a lot of midrash halacha and the upshot of all of that is is that yechayev by geneva for everything that's chattel and that's intrinsic value you're exempt for land slaves and starot and this weird dover misuyim that nobody knows what it is and the other thing that we basically have seen is there's a lot of towing tanis that comes with a shvua you claim geneva if you claim daveda it wouldn't be true you claim geneva and you made a shvua then you pay kefel okay that's the other and the third thing which we just said is this halacha about if it has to be what's considered that you're a ganav when you take it in your possession which is not limited to literally being in your hand 
hands. Now, let's, because Tisha B'Av is coming up, and we have all other 20 minutes, let's actually get a little bit ahead. Um, and the Gemara now is going to go back to what it learned from Chaim HaGneva and Chaim. The idea of restoring Gneva to the point of when you took possession of it. Okay, so if everybody's game for this, let's try to go a little bit, get a little bit further. Gufa. Now, this is where anybody who learns Meruba, when they learn it in Yeshiva, Meruba starts Adach Samachay for the Yeshiva. It does not start Adach Samach Bet or Samach Gimel. Okay, so Gufa. Amarav. Karen Ke'in Shaganav. I think the only thing that in the yeshiva they like less than learning Agadita is learning Midrash Halacha. Yes. Right. I'm sure. Did anybody ever really do it on their own? I mean, I, we must have. <laughs> I mean, I just, I <laughs> so, with some time, you actually wind up doing it on your own. Okay. Kufa. I'm a Rav. Karen Kein Shaganav. Tishumi came for Tashlumi Arba Vachamisha Keshas Hamara Bedin. Now here becomes a really, uh, I mean, I don't know, really interesting, really interesting for me because I learned Maruba. Hopefully, I can make it. Somewhat interesting for you. Anyway, you steal something. There, look, here's here's the interesting point. Okay, there's a moment in time that you steal the object. This is shat hagneva. I'll try to try to use a better term. Shat hagneva. Okay, and then here you stole the object, and then you finally were caught. And here, whatever, it's Hamad Abedin. You stand, you stand, you know, there's the court case that comes, this is January 1, and I don't know, this is December 1. Finally, you're caught and you have to stand case. Now, the object changes value between the two times. Either the animal gets fatter or thinner, or the market values change, and so on. You, when you pay two, when you, there's three things to be paid here. The principal, the double, and the four and five times, if we're talking about four and five, okay? Are the payments made based on its value when you stole it, or based on its value when you're standing in the court case, okay? So, here, by the way, let me just tell you a certain type of an intu- intuitive logic you might want to have said. Uh, I don't know if it's the most intuitive, but what I might want to have said is, the Karen, I would say, you always pay based on when you stole it. I took this object from you. It was worth $1,000 when I took it from you. I owe you $1,000. The fines, and there are two sets of fines, the cape, the tail, and the four, and the five, that becomes, remember, we talked about fines being a court-imposed punishment, right? If I admit to it, I don't pay. The court creates the obligation. The court imposes the punishment. So I might say, if the court is making me pay the fines, I could see going either way. The court could say, pay double four and five times based on what it was when you stole it, or pay two to two, four or five times based on its value right now. Okay? So I could sort of see, but either way, I could see that the fines would go here, and of course, the amount that I would pay for the principal would be the amount it was when I stole it. Rav says an interesting split. Here's what Rav says. I'm a Rav. Karen, oh no, he doesn't say he says exactly what I just said. Look at that. Okay, Karen, the principle is based on, on what it was when you stole it because you're paying back for you, your act of stealing and that's what it was when you stole it. That's how much it was worth. Kefel, the double, the four and five, which is a fine imposed by the court, that's Kishas Hamad Abedin. That's assessed at the time you stand in the court. Now, according to Ra's statement, he makes it very generically, it could be whether the object goes up or down in value, right? It could be here it was worth 100 and here it was worth 200 and the principal will be 100 and 
and the two and the four and the five times will be based on the two hundred value. Because right now we're assessing those fines and we're talking about what is it worth now. It could be the reverse. Here it's two hundred, here it's one hundred. Right? You could always be. This is for the act of Geneva. This is for the court imposed punishment. This goes when you steal it. This goes when it's Hamad Abedin. And the principle makes a lot of sense. Okay? But now the Gemara deals with a lot of permutations that complicate it. So let's take a look at Let's take a look at the Gemara. So the Gemara says like this. My time at the Rav. What's the reasoning of Rav? Amakra, Gneva v'chayim. That's where we left off. Right? Gneva v'chayim. Okay? Amai kamarach malachayim v'gneva. Why do I say the word chayim v'gneva? Achyei l'keren ke'en shaganav. Bring life to the principle like it was stolen. So if it was stolen a certain value, that's the value you have to restore. Now, by the way, there's a big puzzle here, and there's a fascinating question that that uh, that sort of absorbs the Rishonim, which is the fact that it says makes it sound like it's a special halacha by Geneva. But actually, it's the same halacha by Gezela. At least it seems to be. If I steal something from you, not Geneva, I didn't burgle it. Okay, I I, I robbed you at gu- at gunpoint, and you know when I took something from you, I I, I I hijacked your car. Okay, so how much would I pay? And then it got crashed or whatever. The value went up, value went down. I paid based on what it was when I stole it. That was the act of you know of of, of transgression, or that was the act of liability. That's how you assess the value. So it could be that the halacha that the Karen is based on the time it was stolen or Gneva, Gzela, whatever, that's not the Chiddush of Rav. That obviously you pay based on when the act was done. That was when you, you know, suffer, that was when you, when you incurred liability. The Chiddush is that the fines go by not that time, but by the time that you stand in court. Okay? But anyway, this big Tosos is trying to figure out whether Gzela is different than Gneva. Alright, so the Lord says like this. So, Amar Amina, I said, Rav must have been dozing off when he said that. He didn't know what he was talking about. Tanya, we the Brisa. If it was sin and you fattened it, then you're going to pay the cave for the two and the four and the five, not based on its greater value now when you're standing in court. Because I've, you know, I've been feeding your cow for this last year, so now it's worth twice as much. So I'm going to pay a bigger fine because I've been feeding it. So there it says you pay the two and the four and the five, not based on its value in the time of the court, but based on its original value. So it's not like Rav says. It's not like when it stood at the time of the court. So Rav says, one minute. That's a special case. That's, it didn't just go up in value. You increased the value. Amri, Mishum da Amrle, because the Ganav can say to the owner, Ana Patimna Vaatchakalta, I fattened it and you're going to benefit? Yeah, poor Ganav. Like, <laughs> my, my heart really goes out to him. But anyway, the Gemara says that that would be different. An increase in value that is due to the Ganav is not part of what we assess in terms of the value of the object. Yes, we make you pay for two and four and five based on what its value is right now, but we don't look at value that is due to the what the Ghanav contributed. Right? That is not seen as the thing he took from you. If it went up in value on its own, if the market went up in value, then it's the thing he took from you and we'll make him pay two or four and five based on this time. But if it's value that he added, he's not going to pay two and four and five onto the value that he added, which makes a lot 
lot of sense. All right. Like Shinoi? Yeah, but Shinoi would mean that he's Kona it. Yeah. This is more that that addition isn't yours. The whole, whole object might be yours. It's not like he's Kona with Shinoi, but the addition isn't yours, so he's not going to pay on the addition. Yeah. Like if he, if he bought a house and then he made, a, like, you know, he went to a, I don't know, he, he stole a car and then he got a paint job on it and he added a tape deck and all those types of things. He shouldn't be paying based on what he added to the car, right? What did you say? I said tape deck? Yeah, yeah whatever. Sound system. Sound a little dated. A little dated, yes. That begs the question of what happens if the value depreciates because he neglects it. So we're going to get to that. Okay, does he get, no, you mean does he get a, a break because, you know, now you neglected it and we're going to give you a break as a result of that? Right, so let's take a look. Um, Ironically, the answer might be yes. So the question is like, okay, um, okay. Tashma shmena bichisha. Here you go. Exactly Jonathan's case. It started off as fat, and he weakened it. He thinned it out. Okay, he put it on a diet, uh, exercise. Okay, mashalim tashlumi keva tashlumi avrachamisha kainzaganav. Same thing. It goes like kainzaganav. Okay, now there you would say. Now there actually, though it does make sense, right? Because there you could say. Right? It's, well, let's see what the Gemara says. According to Rav, why isn't going t- 2 and 4 and 5 based on Hamad of Adin? So the Gemara says, Because you say to him, What difference does it make if you killed it halfway or you killed it the whole way? Now, what does that mean? So Rashi and Tosfos like, have a whole complicated explanation. Rashi says, Well, if we're talking about 4 and 5, so one of the scenarios of 4 and 5 is slaughtering it. So if you start beating it, it's like beginning the process of slaughtering it. And that's why we consider that the Hamad Abedin is when you started beating it and weakening it. Which is like, what? Like, first of all, that doesn't address the Kafel case. Second of all, that doesn't address the 4 and 5 case when you sell it. Third of all, beating it is not beginning a process of slaughtering it. If you were to kill it without slaughtering it, you wouldn't pay 4 and 5. So, what does any of that ma- sense any of that makes? So, Tosa says, and maybe he'll a little bit more along your lines, it says, well, if you would have killed it, you would have been Konet with a Shinoi. So, when you beat it, it's sort of like that. What does it mean it's sort of like that? You're still not Konet with a Shino, you just got it thinner. So I think it's actually Jonathan's point. I think it's the reverse. The same way I'm not going to have to pay 4 and 5 for value that I added, if I actually took away value, I shouldn't get off the hook, right? It was worth 1000 I made it worth 500 So I'm only going to have to pay 4 and 5 for 500 I stole that value. The reason it was worth less was because I, I took that value away. That shouldn't get me off the hook from paying my four and four and five based on that. Okay? So any value that I added, any value that I took away, right, is not going to factor in to the, the four and the five computation here. When we say you go by here, it's when the value changes by itself. But if you increase the value, you're not going to suffer as a result of that. And if you decrease the value, you're not going to be rewarded as a result of that. Okay? So that in those cases, we'll go back to the original shot to the original Shasta Gneva. Yes. Yeah, somebody adds objects to a car that he stole. They're yeah. separate objects. I understand. Like here, if he's adding value to the animal, he's doing that for himself. Right. He's not thinking he's going to have to pay this whole thing back. Right. So, I mean, perhaps the court would say you're going to have to be penalized. For I understand. Yeah, but that's at least, that's not what the Gemara is saying. You didn't have to come to this conclusion, but right. But the Gemara is at least saying that you're already being penalized by the form of the five. We're not going to add that form of five onto a value that you added, right? Okay, so if you added the value or took value away, you're not going to either be lose or benefit as a result of that. 
So anyway, ki kamarav biyukra vizula. But what was Rav talking about when the market prices went up and down? Now, Tosus points out what you could also have said is the animal got fatter or thinner on its own, not because of any act that I did. Okay? But the point is, any act that I did, I will not benefit or lose as a result of. Okay? But when Rav says that you're going to go by this value, it's going to be when the market values naturally go up or down. Okay? So, let's keep that, with that in mind, let's go further. Um... Okay. So the market says, Hey, Chidami. All right. Let's figure this out. Market value is changing. What's the case? Originally it was worth one and then it was worth four. So, Arba Zuze, Karen Kane Shiganav. So you're going to tell me you're only going to pay the principal, you're only going to pay one, because that's what it was when you stole it. But Lema Pligi Dravah the Rabba. Should we say this argues on Rabba? Dama Rabba. You stole a barrel of wine from your friend. Originally it was worth one zuz. And then it was worth four. Now, if you yourself, when it was at the higher value, destroyed it, you broke it, you spilled it, or you drank it, whatever you did to it, right? You pay four. If it broke on its own, you pay one. So tell me why is that? You stole a barrel of wine worth one, now it's worth four. If it breaks, you still pay, you pay one. That's what it was right when you stole it. But if you drank it, you pay four. Why should that be? Because when you drink it now, or you actively destroy it or drink it, you are doing another act of liability. Right? I stole from you was worth one. But now, if I'm going to drink it, I'm further stealing, destroying your object. And now it's an object that's worth four. So forget the Geneva. You're going to tell to me, pretend you never stole it. You had my barrel of wine by you and you broke it or you drank it. It was worth four when you broke it or drank it. I'm going to forget about the stealing. Pay the four, you know, pay it based on that. So therefore, if you actively destroy it when it's worth more, you're incurring an additional liability. Okay, so when we say Karen Ka'in Shaganav, it was worth one and four, and then four, and then we say pay the one, that would only be in the case of what? When you did not actively destroy it. But if you actively destroyed it later on, you'd actually pay the higher value even for the principal. It's also because it moves from one membership to another at that moment, right? You're Kona it. Right. Yeah, uh, it could be that you're Kona it, but like, I'm trying to think about cases like, I don't think it's limited to being Kona. I think it's that you did an act, another act of Mazik and Geneva. We try to think about a scenario where you could do an act of Mazik without being Kona. Um, like, I could imagine that you, let's say you defaced it in a way that you wouldn't say Shinoi Kona, but in a way that sort of, that made, you know, that, 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 that seriously, you know, depreciated its value. Shinoi Kona is when you, when you make a desk out of a piece of wood. Right. So that, so in that case, if you steal a piece of wood, the desk is yours. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying I don't see that this is limited to the fact that you own it. Okay. What it's primarily about is that you did another act of, of, of incurring liability. Right? If I b- destroyed it, you know, let's say, I don't know, I had your, you know, your Van Gogh painting or whatever, and I, you know, you know did some mark on it that technically would not be a scenery that would make me Kona, but now made it worth, a, you know, m- not $100 million anymore. Right? So it's merely that you did another act of damage, not so much that you did a scenery. Yes. So then how would you like negligence Ah, so that's exactly the Chiddush. The Chiddush is, is that, and this is a good question, right? A, a, a Ganav or Goslin, are they like a Shomer? What is their liability in terms of negligence? And here it's a little bit, I don't know if it's ironic, it could play out ironically. If I'm a Shomer of your object, and you gave it to me when it was worth one, and then it was worth four, and then it got damaged due to my negligence, how much do you think I pay? 
Or would you think I should pay? Just intuitively, what would you say? Four. I was worth four. I was high to be shomered. I was negligent. And an object worth four was destroyed that I had. doesn't matter that I got it one. And when it, at the time it was worth four, I had responsibility. I was negligent. I pay. I pay four. But if a ganav, and that's exactly what this is being said here, steals it, and it was destroyed, if for me, even due to negligence, he only pays one. You know why? Because he never accepted the obligations of Shmira. So his payment is only for the original act of stealing, okay, or for another act of damage or whatever. His payment is not as a showman, all right? Well, I, wouldn't, well, I don't understand why we don't say he accepts the obligations if he didn't take it. Because what we basically say is he's already obligated to pay as soon as he stole it. So here's the flip side of it. Let's say it breaks due to an honest. If you're a showman it breaks due to an honest, do you pay? No. If you're a guy when it breaks due to an honest, do you pay? Yes. Because you're not paying because of your negligence. You're paying because you stole it. So the liability focus the original point right exactly so it's a different focus on why are you paying a shomer is paying because of negligence and damage and the ganav is paying because of the act of stealing so the shomer's liability focuses on when the damage occurs the ganav's on the original act but in this case when you actively broke it it's a new act of liability it's not a chiv as a shomer it's a new act of liability and, and also Rashi says you have to return it if you're a ganav you always had the obligation to return it right like you have no so you don't really fully own it you have to give it back it's still the owner's object. Right, but even as a shomer, you have no right to it as a shomer. You right. always have this. this, this but then that way, shomer and ganav are the same. It's not yours, and you have to return it. So you right. could use it. You could be using it like, as a shomer. You have the permission to be used. No, only as a shomer or shoel. As a shomer, you just have to protect it and give it back. Okay, so the Mosh says, uh, so should it we say it argues on, Ra- on Rabba because Rabba says that there'll be times when you pay the later value for the Karen if you actually actively destroyed it. So the Mosh says, no, Amri, now, of course, it would have been nicer to say that Rav is talking that it just broke by itself. Okay? But the Gemara switches it to the case that it specifically went down in value. It started as four and ended as one. Well, probably you have to say that because Rav is also talking about when you slaughtered it or you sold it. So there you did actively destroy it. So in that case, if you slaughtered it and it was worth more, you'd pay the higher value. So when does Rav say you pay the original value? Value if it now is worth less. Okay? Karen Kainshiganav. So it started by if it's worth one, and here it's worth four. So the Karen is, I'm sorry, the opposite. Here it's worth four, and here it's worth one. So you paid back the Karen like you stole it, because that was the act that you incurred the liability for the principal. Karen Kainshiganav. And you pay the two and the four and the five based on this, because that's when the court is imposing the payment, and that's how, it's worth, how much it's worth right now. In the reverse case, if it were, presumably, if it were one and four, okay, and you did not it. it was not a case of slaughtering it. It just was around or it broke by itself. Presumably, in that case, we would say, yes, you pay Karen this and four and five and two, well, not whatever. If you assume you didn't slaughter it, you would pay based on the higher value. Right? Presumably, the Gemara doesn't have a problem with saying that the two and the four and the five are go by the higher value. They only had a problem that in this case, the Karen should also go by the higher value. Okay? So we've basically established it. Anything that you actively have increased or decreased the value as a Ghanav, you're not going to benefit or lose as a result on. If the value changes by itself, 
the, this is the liability for stealing it that's the karen this is when the court imposes it this is the form 5 and the only possible difference is that if you actively destroy it and source more then you're going to pay the principal for that higher value as well okay we will stop with this for now